0: You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies like My Date with the President's Daughter and the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Nowadays, 20 bucks barely gets you a burger and fries, or maybe a quarter tank of gas. You know what it will get you though? For just 20 bucks a month, you can get unlimited talk And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I, I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. Oh, it's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's mint chew. No, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. For conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty at Saipan, the Mariana Islands, 19th of June to the 7th of July, 1944, this is Mr. Thomas A. Baker. United States Army. When his entire company was held up by fire from automatic weapons and small arms fire from strongly fortified enemy positions that commanded the view of the company Sergeant Baker voluntarily took a bazooka and dashed alone to within a hundred yards of the enemy. Through heavy rifle and machine gun fire that was directed at him by the enemy he knocked out the strong point enabling his company to assault the ridge. Some days later, while his company advanced across the open field, flanked with obstructions and places of concealment for the enemy, Sergeant Baker again voluntarily took up position in the rear to protect the company against a surprise attack, and came upon two heavily fortified enemy pockets, manned by two officers and ten enlisted men, which had been bypassed. Without regard for such superior numbers, he unhesitatingly attacked and killed all of them. 500 yards further, he discovered six men of the enemy who had concealed themselves behind our lines and destroyed all of them. On the 7th of July 1944, the perimeter of which Sergeant Baker was a part was attacked from three sides by from 3,000 to 5,000 Japanese. During the early stages of this attack, Sergeant Baker was severely wounded, but he insisted on remaining in the line and fired at the enemy at ranges sometimes as close as 5 yards until his ammunition ran out. Without ammunition and with his battered to useless and with his weapon battered to uselessness from hand-to-hand combat, he was carried about 50 yards to the rear by a comrade who was then himself wounded. At this point Sergeant Baker refused to be moved any further, stating he preferred to be left to die rather than risk the lives of any more of his friends. A short time later, at his request, he was placed in a sitting position against a small tree. Another comrade, withdrawing, offered assistance. Sergeant Baker refused, insisting that he be left alone and be given a soldier's pistol with its eight remaining rounds of ammunition. When last seen alive, Sergeant Baker was propped against the tree, pistol in hand, calmly facing the foe. Later, Sergeant Baker's body was found in the same position, gun empty, with eight Japanese lying dead before him. His deeds were in keeping with the highest traditions of the US Army. Saipan was a different beast. And I'll explain to you why it was a different beast in a moment. but. Let's rewind as we've done before, and let's remember how we got to Saipan. Why are there Marines and Army soldiers even on Saipan? What is the purpose of Saipan? Well, here's the purpose. Remember, Japan was involved in China heavily, militarily. We, America, and Britain, and France did not like it. We told them to leave. They were in a position politically where they couldn't. You couldn't leave because you wouldn't have anything to show for it. So we eventually cut them off. Cut them off from receiving American goods. Japan badly needed American goods. Japan does not have a lot of natural resources. They simply do not. Japan got angry, understandably. Japan decided war with the United States of America was inevitable, and frankly, they weren't really wrong about that. They decided their only chance, only chance against us was to hit us at Pearl Harbor. They were not trying to take out all of our Navy. That's, that's a lie. I mean, they would like to have, but the goal was to hurt us so badly at Pearl Harbor that they would have enough time to fortify all the islands they were about to take right after Pearl Harbor and did take islands like the Philippines and whatnot, fortify those islands so much that Americans would lack the spine, the will to take them back. Remember, when it comes to things like racism... Things we roll our eyes at in this show, but also discuss openly. Remember something. It is the norm. And it ain't exclusive to white people. During this time, we undoubtedly, almost everybody looked down on the Japanese because they were Asian. And undoubtedly, the Japanese looked down on everybody else. (laughs) They thought they were superior too. Again, it's just the nature of man. I'm not mad at them. I'm not mad at us. It's the nature of man. They thought Americans would be way too soft and weak to come root them out of those islands. But Saipan was a little different. Saipan was a little worse, and this is why Saipan was a little worse. Unlike places like the Philippines, which had to be taken right after Pearl Harbor, Japan already had Saipan at the start of World War II. And why that's different, why that's difficult, is they've been fortifying Saipan for a long time. And these are people who know how to fortify things well. You see, there's a reason Tarawa, and Tarawa was a horrible battle. We'll do it one time. But horrible battle, it lasted like three days. Get on, get off, root them out of there. Saipan lasted a month a month and it was a living hell put it to you this way i'll talk to you a little bit today about the 40 thieves of saipan it's a new book i would highly highly recommend you you buy it but it's a story about these guys a, and I'll tell you their story today. They, they were behind enemy lines. They, we're at Saipan. I'll elaborate on their story in a little while. But we're talking men in their 70s, 80s, and 90s who still don't sleep at night. Can you even fathom the kind of trauma you have to go through when you're 18, 19, 20 years old? To still not sleep at night when you're in your 80s and 90s? One guy for years after would wake up choking his wife. Choking his wife until, God bless her, she figured out the early warning signs of when he was descending into a nightmare. Again, he wasn't abusive. He thought she was Japanese in his night terror. She figured out the early morning signs to wake him up in time before he lost his mind. Another guy, his entire life, he would wake up to noises in the house and knew right away it was his father in the night, sleepwalking, tearing apart their bedroom, the master bedroom, because he thought he was back in Saipan. Saipan Twisted these guys up that I'm about to tell you about and tore these guys up in permanent ways. Demons that do not leave you until the day they bury you in the ground. A lot of that is the type of fighting these 40 thieves had to do. A lot of that is the type of fighting the Japanese did, which we've discussed before. We're going to discuss it again right now. The Japanese at this time, you by now undoubtedly have heard of the Bushido Code. They thought of themselves as the modern day samurai. Many Japanese even carried samurai swords and, well, hang on. Jesse Kelly show. One of the worst things, the absolute worst things about most of the home security companies out there. And I know this because I sadly have had them before I found simply safe is they trick you. They get you in a contract. It's just happened to me with my last one. You're in a contract. I had to sell my home for work two months before my contract was over. You know what they did? They said, oh, okay, but your whole three year contract starts over at your new place. I'm not even making that up. I'm so sick of that garbage. That's why I'm so happy I found Simply Safe. They have everything you need sensors, cameras, everything. It's all sent to you. You place the sensors, you plug it in, it's all professionally monitored. And you know what? It starts at $15 a month without a contract. That is awesome. Go to simplysafe.com slash Jesse. That's simplysafe.com slash Jesse. That gets you free shipping and a sixty day risk free trial. The Japanese. Viewed themselves as samurai warriors. They were adamant about making sure their men were killers. They would have, oftentimes, their men kill people for real in boot camp. Prisoners and such. Those samurai swords... They would practice on prisoners, lopping their heads off. They, well, there's been a lot told on this show and a million others about the Japanese atrocities in World War II and things they would do, but here's what you need to understand. I believe it wasn't the Geneva Convention yet. I think it was called the Geneva Protocol. I might not have that right. But it was a gigantic rules of war thing that we already had in place prior to World War II. You can do this. You can't do that. That kind of thing. The Japanese did not sign it. The Japanese flat out said, that's not how we do war. That's how you do war. And you need to understand this. Rules of war chivalry treating prisoners well that is very much a eurocentric christian centric concept that is not the norm in history and it's certainly not the norm the rest of the world i know this sounds like i'm making excuses for the japanese who you know i love and i kind of am because that's not their culture their culture was, had always been, and everything in Asia had always been, you don't even really take prisoners of war. Prisoners? I'm what, I'm going to take their guys and feed them and stuff? Are you out of your No, we're going to kill them. We'll probably even practice stuff on them. Sounds barbaric, is unquestionably barbaric, but they'd never done it any other way. It is the norm in the history of the world. It is. And remember, they considered Americans to be soft. They really considered everybody to be soft. They were all about terror. Trying to stoke terror in the hearts of Americans. Well, really everybody. Every single chance they got. What I mean by that is they even had, you've probably heard of Tokyo Rose. If you haven't, here's who Tokyo Rose was. A lovely sounding woman. You can actually go hear her voice. I believe her videos are still up on YouTube. They have, you know, clips of her voice on there. Lovely sounding woman. Would play all the hits from America. And then in between the music, the people were listening to on board the naval vessels who picked up the Navy signal. So you have a bunch of Marines on a naval vessel sitting there cleaning weapons, working out and such, listening to the pop songs of the day and in between the pop songs of the day Tokyo Rose would come on the radio and inform all of them that they're all going to die in the sweetest voice in the world, right? Do you think that would be a little disconcerting? A little creepy. The Japanese, like I said, night attacks. The Japanese, they would send, not men, they would send entire units to crawl through the line. Crawl through our defensive line. Not to attack the line. To basically do what you and I would consider terrorist attacks behind the line. They would attack hospital tents. They would pop up in the field mail room and cut some guy's throat and leave him there. They gave them microphones so they could shout at American troops from behind the lines to freak everybody out. And again, they would do this at night. They would jump in your trench, your foxhole, with a samurai sword. And if they managed to get you, they would then in horrible ways, mutilate your body. Not just because they're sadists, although I'm sure there were plenty of sadists there. That They did it because they wanted you to wake up the next morning and go see your good buddy Bill in the next trench and find his genitals in his mouth. Are you starting to understand how a 70, 80, 90 year old man still doesn't sleep at night yet? And remember at Saipan, they are dug in, dug in. They have pillboxes everywhere, they have little places everywhere. And they know we're coming. Why did they know we're coming? Because Saipan is not the first of our engagements in the Pacific. By this point in time, we've already fought at Guadalcanal. We've already fought at Tarawa. Now, if I can brag on American troops for a moment, I always have loved this part. Remember, the Philippines have already fallen by this time. The Philippines essentially fell right after Pearl Harbor. That was when Douglas MacArthur was there and then Hopped on a boat and escaped and then gave that great speech. Some people say, I'm not a MacArthur fan, gave that great speech, I shall return, whatever. But the Japanese, and I love this part, I love this part. They'd been kicking the crap out of the Chinese for a long time. They started taking all these islands right after Pearl Harbor. And they really had been beating the crap out of a lot of people for a long time. And they finally tangled with Americans on the Philippines. And boy, did they find out Americans do things just a little differently. <laughs> we, that was the famous, at the end of that battle, the Philippines was the famous Bataan Death March and all that. Everybody's heard of the Bataan Death March. I'll do one on the Philippines one time. What you haven't heard of is the, our guys dug in and we gave the Japanese everything they could handle. So much so the Japanese commander, you know, these Bushido code guys, the Japanese commander finds himself begging his high command for reinforcements. I can't get rid of these freaking Americans. Americans were not like everybody else. And we don't cower and run when someone attacks us at night. Back to Saipan, though, so we have to land on Saipan. Remember, all these islands, the island hopping campaigns in the Pacific, they all had their own. They all had their own flavor. They all had something unique about them. That made them awful. There were so many similarities, but some of them just had something awful. You remember Iwo Jima? We'll do another show on Iwo Jima one time. They didn't really defend the beaches because Iwo Jima had all these lava rock mountains and they had miles of tunnels and caves and they all just went to the caves and thought, well, come get us. And remember New Guinea? We've talked about New Guinea before. With that horrible jungle and rivers that had saltwater crocodiles in them. Tell me that wouldn't freak you out. But one thing almost all these islands had in common was the jungle. And I need to elaborate on this for a moment because it's, if you've never been in one, it's very difficult to understand. So allow me to explain. I have been in a horrible jungle, triple canopy jungle in Thailand. I was in a jungle with a company of United States Marines in total peacetime. I need to stress this. This is pre Iraq, pre everything else, completely at peace, at peace with the home nation. Hang on. I love my Raycon earbuds and I love them because they're so unbelievably comfortable. And look, I love the bass too. I love the clarity of the music, the voices when I'm listening to podcasts. I love it all. I do. But man, none of that does me any good at all. If my ears hurt when they're in and on all these other earbuds that I've had, my ears hurt. On top of the fact these things are small, really small, and they don't have some big ugly wire hanging out, you can hardly tell I have the things in. They cost half, like half, of what the other expensive earbuds do. Go get yourself some Raycon earbuds. They are going to ruin all other earbuds for you, though. I should probably warn you that. Go to buyraycon.com slash jesse. That's buyraycon.com slash jesse. When you do that... That actually gets you 15% off the already great price. Buyraycon.com slash Jesse. You see? The Japanese... We're ready for us. And by now, the Marines really understood what they were facing. It's not like we didn't know beforehand, but we know what we're going to face now. We know these are not people who surrender. We know they will either do a bonsai charge, which they finally stopped doing towards the end of the war. For those of you who don't know, a bonsai charge is when they, straight out of the movies, they would fix bayonets and just run as a large group. And I mean, a thousand of them. In this battle, I think there was one that was two or 3,000 of them would just fix bayonets and just run right at you and charge, which sounds really, I mean, kind of cool, horrifying, but kind of cool. But they never worked, or they rarely worked, I should say. Even the one here, it caused a lot of casualties on us. But all your men just get wiped out. That sounds great in in the Japanese folklore, but when you're chasing, when you're running straight at a bunch of United States Marines, you're just going to die before you get to them. It doesn't work, but they were still doing them here, so the Marines knew they were going to face that. The Marines knew you can't really take Japanese prisoners. And people get uncomfortable talking about this because you don't like to think about our guys, greatest generation, all this other stuff, doing anything, you know, that wasn't clean. Oh, no, the, only, the only enemy I ever shot was somebody. I let him shoot at me 10 times first, and then I finally shot him. People, that is not how it works. And do you know... How many times you have to watch a Japanese soldier fake surrender and then pull the pin on a grenade and blow himself and your friend up before you stop taking prisoners? About once will do. And this was not the exception for the Japanese. This was the rule. They would lay down, either fake wounded or actually be wounded, grenade in hand, wait. They would surrender, grenade hidden on them, wait, blow you up. On, when you combine that with the fact Marines and Army, Americans were already finding our guys, maybe a recon patrol or something like that. We were finding our guys. The Japanese managed to capture alive, and we were finding them tortured In horrible ways. Just briefly. Earmuffs kids. If you're listening. I will tell you one guy they found. I believe this one was on Iwo Jima. They captured him. Dragged him down into the caves. They broke out all of his teeth. Tore out his fingernails. Took. Took some kind of club and broke almost every bone in his body over the course of three days now I only got that graphic because I want you to understand why our guys did the things they did you're a marine fighting over there you find one of your friends that's had that done to them how many prisoners are you taking You're not. And because we knew the Japanese were extremely capable jungle fighters, we decided we were going to answer that call. And we came up with this group. It was the scout sniper group of the 6th Marine Regiment. Now, scout snipers are elite Marines. They are special forces level Marines. Once you're already an infantry Marine, it's very, very difficult to leap from that to scout sniper. Most people do not make it. The guy in charge of this unit, of putting together his scout sniper unit, which was going to do a lot more than just scout sniping, you see this was going to be a behind-enemy-lines unit. Try to think of the type of man you have to be. With everything I just described to you, the way the Japanese did their business, what kind of man do you have to be to willingly leave your lines alone with no backup and sneak into that person's territory? Remember the guy who had all his bones broken? Well, he starts looking. He gets to handpick his unit. Scout love snipers, and I love this part. This is the best part. He only wanted Marines who had brig time. Brig time is jail. Marine Corps jail. He only wanted Marines who had brig time for fighting because, and I think this is a direct quote from him, the guy who wins the fight goes to the brig. The guy who loses the fight goes to the infirmary. I want guys who get into trouble and win fights. He selects his unit, and they not only begin to train with sniper rifles, remember what this unit is there to do. They are there not even to blow up structures, really. When they go behind enemy lines in Saipan, they were not there to blow up structures because Americans wanted Saipan. They wanted those structures because Saipan had a great airfield. That's why we were there, in Saipan... Saipan would allow our super fortresses to finally reach Tokyo. We are there because we want to take it, not destroy it. So this behind enemy lines unit, they were there to map things out, recon things, and they were there to assassinate people. But what really, what can't you do? What can't you do if you are behind enemy lines in the Saipan jungle, what shouldn't you do? You shouldn't shoot your weapon. They were trained to only shoot their weapons as a last resort. So instead, they trained them extensively with knives. The guys would carry six different knives on them for the different ways they would use them on the Japanese. I'm not making that up. I haven't heard of these guys, have you? I bet you'd be buying that book. Now, you know what, Chris? Reach out to that author. We're getting that that, that author on. It was his dad. I forget the author's name. I feel bad about that, but oh well, I'm plugging this book. Anyway, I forget the guy's name, but his dad was, was the guy who led this group, the 40 Thieves six different knives. They also had garrets. Do you know what a garret is, Chris? A garret is a piece of string, sometimes piano wire, which gets wrapped around a man's throat, and you choke him to death. That is how you wake up 60, 70, 80 years old with nightmares, because people The difference between shooting a man at one or two hundred yards with your rifle and choking the life out of him with a rope you brought along, it is a big, big difference. That is up close and personal. Very, very personal. And these freaking guys. By the way, in case you're wondering why they called them 40 Thieves, Marines were... And are infamous for stealing. When I say that, I mean, I don't mean they're out there shoplifting, robbing banks, or anything like that. Marines are, well, hang on. The Jesse Kelly Show, on air and online at jessekellyshow.com. I'm going to have a great time going to sleep tonight. No, that's not only because my birthday was yesterday. (laughs) It's because my ebb sleep makes it so I look forward to going to bed now. And I'll be totally frank with you. There was a long time where I didn't feel like going to bed. I mean, what's the point? What, I get to go lay there and toss and turn and be miserable? Eventually wake up, get a glass of water, sit around, maybe read something, go back, try again, just accept the next day's going to suck. I don't do that anymore because my ebb sleep provides continuous cooling to my forehead area as I sleep, which calms down those racing thoughts that kept me awake, puts me asleep faster, and keeps me asleep. Go. Go. Go to tryeb.com slash jesse. That's tryebb.com slash jesse. Use the promo code Jesse when you're there. That actually gets you 25 bucks off. You know, remember when I said I hate thieves, does it really apply here because here's the situation for you who are unaware, Chris, do me a favor while I'm talking, look up the budget for the United States army this year, last year, doesn't matter. You look up the budget for the army, Navy, air force, and Marine Corps. The Marines are thought of as elite. The Marines are the first to fight. The Marines are considered the superior military branch. I don't care what you say. They just are thought of that way for a reason. And a big part of that is this. They are a department of the Navy. They are the redheaded stepchild of the Navy. They don't have great gear. They don't have a big budget. Do you want to know what happened in Iraq to me? We were carrying M16s from the Vietnam era when we went to Iraq in 2003. I'm not making that up. One of my buddies, your weapon is separated, you know, an upper and lower receiver. One of my buddies had to duct tape his upper and lower receiver together. I'm not exaggerating. And this is maybe the best part. We'd been there for months and the war was over and we fought our way through it. We had a bunch of army national guard reservists show up. All these guys fat, not of shape. You know, these pulled these guys off a couch somewhere to come run security in Iraq. And we had to train them because they didn't know what they were doing. They were all going to get killed. And these guys showed up because their army with some of the best gear we'd ever seen in our lives. Now back to Saipan, back to, well, the Pacific. The same situation was happening over there. The Army was there. There was plenty of Army guys, as, as the Medal of Honor citation was today, there were plenty of Army guys fighting and dying. But the Army guys had all the money. The Army guys had all the gear. The Marines, they stole it all. Chris just told me the army budget's two two hundred forty four billion. You know what the Marine Corps budget is? Forty. <laughs> like I said, you don't have the gear. The Marines didn't have the food. They would steal food from the army guys. One story I read, they stole a jeep. They took some uh, uh, Colonel Army Colonel's jeep and stole it. They stole it all. The Marines had this story killed me. What they called laundry day. They would go out when their stuff needed clean. They would simply throw their uniforms, their dirty ones on the clothesline and steal all the clean ones. (laughs) And these 40 thieves, these scout snipers were prolific at this. Because on top of stealing from the army guys, Marines didn't steal from each other, mind you. But on top of stealing from the army guys, remember, these 40 thieves were always going behind enemy lines. In Saipan, there was actual civilization on Saipan, like cities. They would steal their way into cities and find a general store. Let me ask you, you're starving in the jungle without proper provisions? How great would it be to have your pick of a general store in Japan? One guy I read went from 180 pounds at the start of it. One month later, he was 130 pounds. When I say they didn't have enough food, I mean they didn't have enough food. They were dying of dysentery. Dying of it. I have had dysentery before. I cannot stress this enough to you. Dysentery is not the runs. It's not I ate some bad shrimp. It feels like six or seven knives are dancing with each other in your gut. And when you have to go, which is about every five minutes, you have to go. It's not, it's not, well, if I can find a restroom, you're going. Whether it's in your pants or whether you're seated over a toilet or whether you're seated over a jungle log hoping you don't get your throat cut while you're going. Remember those Japanese love to attack at night? Do you have any idea what it's like to be suffering from dysentery, almost dead from dehydration, and many people did die from dehydration, Have your guts twisted up into knots, sitting in a foxhole at night. Know the Japanese are out there coming at some point and have to leave your foxhole to go unload. Gets less funny, doesn't it? Men died doing that. Left and never came back. Men started to just flat out go right in there, right next to their buddy. What else can you do? You see, it's so much dirtier than you like to imagine. And back to what I was talking about when I was talking about the jungle before. In Thailand, in peacetime, company of Marines, peaceful country, no threat at all. The jungle was still intimidating. Hang on. You're in the jungle with nobody shooting at you, and yet there are poisonous things everywhere. There are spiders the size of my hand. We had cobras crossing our path regularly. There were tiger claw marks on the trees. You had to sleep in a hammock because if you slept on the jungle floor, you're going to die. And there were not highly highly trained Japanese soldiers wanting to slice off our genitals in the middle of the night. You walk around the jungle, you can't see anything. Everything is covered. You can't make out anything. Oh, and did I mention your skin rots off. It's called jungle rot. Wet for too long, it just kind of rots off misery. Hang on. Jesse Kelly returns next. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. The jungle is a horrible place a horrible place in peacetime. I didn't even mention malaria. I didn't even remen- uh, mention what's it called? Dingy fever. I believe that's how you say it. They called it, gosh, what it was it, I forget. I'm doing this off of memory here. I think they called it the bone breaking disease or something like that. Oh, you didn't break your bones, but it felt like all the bones in your body were broken. Now, again, That's all horrific and can kill you in peace time, let alone with a highly trained, highly motivated, very, very vicious Japanese army fighting. Now, to wrap this up here, we got a beachhead first day. We had to only leave. Half of the guy, well, we only landed half the force we were supposed to land on the first night because there were so many problems with the landing. Again, the Japanese were very crafty. They knew we were coming. We crossed a reef to go into the lagoon to land on the beaches. The Japanese had flags set up in the ocean because they had already zeroed in their artillery. To blow up our boats in the water. Yeah, you didn't didn't watch the movies about this one, did you? We land. We can only land half the troops, and then we had to pull away for the night, leaving half our force on there. And the Japanese try to get them off, and they start assaulting that night, trying to human wave attack. Imagine being there with half-strength, First night, digging in somewhere near the beach with the Japanese coming in waves in the middle of the night, screaming like maniacs with samurai swords. Are you starting to understand the nightmares? We took it. We had 2,000 casualties on day one alone. But after a month of vicious fighting, we finally took Saipan. That and a little sister island right beside it finally allowed us, well, it was the beginning of the end for the Japanese because it allowed us to fly our super fortress planes and hit Tokyo. And oh boy, is that another story? because we firebombed Tokyo and killed 100,000 people. I think that you and I have a tendency to make mistakes when it comes to assessing the enemy. And it is important that we wake up from that. We see this all over this portion of the conflict. The Japanese made mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake of thinking Americans were soft, thinking they could attack us at night, and they started attacking us at night right away on the first island, and it never worked because Americans are not soft. At least we were not. Not at all. And that was stupid because they didn't understand what they were dealing with. Americans, especially in the beginning, did not understand the level of Japanese belief. Do you want to know what belief looks like in what you're doing? Do you want to know what else happened on Saipan? Saipan, remember, was already a Japanese island. They had all kinds of Japanese civilians on the island, lived there, Japanese people When the Americans were coming, these Japanese women and children and with their babies went up to the Rocky cliffs in front of the Americans and threw their babies off the Rocky cliffs and then jumped down themselves. Sometimes the mother would just hold the baby in her arms and swan dive onto the rocks below. And I don't mean one or two. If you have a strong stomach, you are welcome to go Google that to this day. Americans, because we have, and by the grace of God, we have, and had a different value system, were horrified by what they saw, would cry hardened Marines who the night before killed a Japanese soldier with a shovel would sit and weep watching this. We would get on the microphones and tell them we're not going to hurt you. Come down. Come down. Stop making the mistake of believing leftists Are stupid. They believe what they believe all the way. And just like you're facing a Japanese horde on the island of Saipan, you have no other alternative but to defeat them. They are not going to quit. I promise you that. I hear this all the time and it's so amazingly naive. Well, if we just win the next election, no, they'll calm down. Well, you know what's going to happen? These communist college kids, they're going to get out in the real world and they're going to start making a paycheck. And as soon as they see those taxes, man, they're going to, they're going to change their ways. No, they're not. There's no evidence of that at all. I was told that my whole life, these stupid idiot college kids will wake up one day as soon as they start making a paycheck. Well, they're making big paychecks. They're the CEOs of major United States corporations, tech companies, Nike, Facebook. They're United States senators. These people are now in positions of power all over society and they haven't renounced their ways one iota. We are constantly making excuses for why they don't really believe what they believe because what they believe doesn't make sense to us. But they do believe it. Oh, she's not really going to jump off that cliff with her baby. I would never do such a thing. I don't know anyone who would do such a thing. Yes, but you're dealing with somebody different than you. You are not dealing with yourself. You're dealing with something entirely different. And you had better conduct yourself as if you're dealing with somebody entirely different. How do you think these people have managed to take the free United States of America and worm their way into control of all of it? Do you think they did that overnight? Do you think they just did that when Barack Obama got elected? decade after decade after decade they never stop ever they never slow down they're always moving forward as fast as you let them as fast as i let them we have got to stop with this and i see it time and time again on our side if we just if we just do this Well, we'll give them a little of this and we'll take a little of that. That is how you negotiate with somebody who has the same common goals as you. That is not how you negotiate with somebody who wants to destroy you. And that's what we're dealing with. And they want it badly. It's not a hobby for them. It is not a political ideology. It is a religion. And they believe it all the way, man. They believe it all the way. Start accepting that. Hang on. Missed out? Catch up. JesseKellyShow.com. Newton Group Transfer. They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. Uh, These stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up. Or they'll they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, Call 888-845-3773. That's 888 84 jesse Or go to timesharejesse.com, Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals.